Pastor Xavier Reese and the spiritual secret that leads to freedom as a Christian. Dwight L. Moody, he used to say, quote, you can travel first class or second class to heaven. Second class is what time I am afraid I will trust. First class is I will trust and not be afraid. This is the better way. Why not buy a first class ticket? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. God helps those who help themselves. Though well-intentioned, following this advice has caused more heartache than good. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the book of Genesis to show us what happens when we try and do God's work for Him. Today's message is appropriately titled, Are You Still Trusting Yourself? Genesis 32 We're going to look at verse 1 through 32. Jacob, as you know, is now returning home from his vacation of 20 years through the University of Uncle Laban. God has protected him from Uncle Laban just recently, but he still doesn't get it. His mind is racing, thinking how he is going to make amends with Esau. Notice verse 1 and 2. The angelic visitation from God was for the sake of Jacob. Jacob, having departed from Laban, went on his way, and the angels of God met him in verse 1. The angelic escort here was a reminder to Jacob of God's divine protection as he returned to the promised land in order to ease his fear. Notice the human preparation of Jacob comes next in verse 3 through 5 of sending messengers to Esau, revealing that he was trusting himself more than God. Now you have to put this in the backdrop of what we've just looked at. God just protected him from Laban. You just let him see some angels. And, and it's like, like none of this has happened. In verse 3, Jacob commissions the messengers to announce his coming to Esau in an attempt to appease him, by the way. He attempts to present himself as Esau's servant. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to, listen, my Lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. Jacob was groveling out of fear, not humility. He is still Jacob, the con artist and trickster, trying to work Esau. Verse 5, he attempted to find acceptance by the presence. I have oxen, uh, donkeys, flocks, and males and female servants. The intent of the present was not hidden. Notice in verse 5, he says, And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. He's working on, but he's also sharing some truth here. The stealing of the birthright was still an issue between both of them, wasn't it? And he's hoping that he can cool off Esau's anger. It's been 20 years, but, you know, he still sees some smoke coming out of there. The horrible news that returned to Jacob by the messengers made him more fearful. Verse 6 and 8. We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you. Kind of a, 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 a smile, frown, sort of, and, and you think it's good, and all of a sudden, and 400 men are with him. Oh, bummer. <laughs> In his reflection, he remembered Esau's words that he would kill him once his dad died in Genesis 27, 41. 
In his own cleverness, he was depending on himself, not God. You see, he resorted then to his alternate plan. Jacob's always have a plan B, C, D, E, F. He divided the camp, verse 7. He divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. Interesting. Two camps, two companies now. He was expecting Esau coming to fight. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, he was looking to run. Listen, then the other company, which is left, will escape. He's got it figured out. The fearful apprehension of Jacob only intensified by trusting in himself. Notice next we have the fleshly manipulation of Jacob. He's not through yet. Verse 9 through 20. In verse 9 through 12, Jacob um, prayed to God as a last resort. Don't miss that. (laughs) He's in trouble. His plan has failed. He cried out to be rescued. He's being truthful here. Help this boy. He gets done praying. In verse 13 through 20, Jacob resorted to his practice of depending on himself after his prayer. He returned to his own resources. Verse 13 at the end there, he says, and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. Even after prayer, Jacob depends on his own devices of the flesh. He gathers 580 animals and sends them to Esau. This is his plan. There were several servants involved. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, plural. And in 16 still, there were several droves, every drove by itself. Verse 19, so he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the droves, saying, in this manner, you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also saying, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterwards, I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. Dwight L. Moody, his favorite verse was Isaiah 12, 2. Listen, I will trust and not be afraid. He used to say, quote, You can travel first class or second class to heaven. Second class is, what time I am afraid, I will trust. First class is, I will trust and not be afraid. This is the better way. Why not buy a first class ticket? The believer has the privilege of being able to come before God to his throne of grace to find help and grace in time of need. Hebrews 4.16 tells us. God has sought in prayer by all Christians for their needs or difficulties of life, and there are many. And he is faithful to direct, guide, and to impart knowledge and wisdom. He is not a respecter of persons. God has sought in prayer by individuals who find themselves in self-inflicted difficulties and problems, and God still works on their behalf on the level that they allow him to work. At other times, God has thought out in prayer by others only when they are in um, some form of crisis or another. That's the only time they come. In either case, 
God is not ignorant to the heart of the person who's seeking him or what they will do after they seek God. God has never gone, oh, I didn't know he was going to do that, Gabriel. Can you believe that, rat? No. He is merciful. He is gracious, both to sinners and saints. Paul puts it this way to the Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. He says, are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect or mature by the flesh? It's a rhetorical question with an obvious answer. No. Flesh, here's a, here's a formula. Flesh equals trouble. Okay? It'll never work. The fleshly manipulation of Jacob was not pleasing to God. Then thirdly, we have the final comprehension of Jacob. The light turns on. But not right away. <laughs> He's Jacob. Verse 21 through 23, we have the finishing touch of Jacob's security plan. <laughs> Verse 21, he um, secured another gift for Esau, as we've seen, and now he sensed it the day before. So the present went on over before him. Jacob, without any doubt, was hoping this would resolve the problem. Jacob was not trusting what God had told him when he left Haran. He was treating the sight of the angels as if it never happened. And this is very practical because how often we can be unsure, we can just be done reading and studying, and then something comes up and we just forget all that we've learned, all that we've read. And the situation grabs a hold of us and just, we go crazy. He secured a place to sleep and he turned in for the night, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. I am sure he thought he needed a good night's sleep before the big day in the event that he would have to flee. <laughs> and so in verse 22, he secured his family in the middle of the night. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed over the brook of Jabbok. Now, Jacob, possibly in view of his anxiety, could not sleep. You been there? <laughs> and felt he needed to secure his family a little safer. Jabbok was a tributary of Jordan, the Jordan River here. And it means emptying, no coincidence, emptying. He secured his, their provisions in verse 23. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what they had. Then we get the surprise visit by God to Jacob in verse 24 to 28, which changes everything. This is where God draws the line. God said, all right, enough is enough. We're going to wrestle. <laughs> the time, in verse 24, then Jacob was left alone. But we're never alone, are we? God is ever present, seeing and hearing. The person and a man wrestle with him until the breaking of day. That's long. You ever wrestle? Boy, three, four, five minutes, man, you're exhausted. All night. Jacob came to the end of himself, then in verse 25 and 26. 
God marked Jacob for life in order that he not look to his own strength. Listen to the verse 25. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. The socket of his hip was put out of joint, yaka, to dislocate, making the connection and wordplay on the name Jabok, Jabok, emptying or pouring out by God wrestling Abak with Jacob, Jacob. It's a wordplay on the whole thing <laughs> in the Hebrew. God was bringing him to be poured out of self. The man Jacob had come to the end of himself for he had run from Laban and he was planning to run away from Esau. (laughs) Jacob stubbornly kept fighting and he said, let me go for the daybreak. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is the consistent nature of Jacob, of struggling to get what he wants, even though he is being defeated. Let me say that again. Struggling to get what he wants, even though he's being defeated. That is flesh. God was the initiator, not Jacob. And it took 20 years to bring Jacob to the end of himself at least from the time he left to here. He's 97 years old, but I'm taking the increment when he left to tell him back. What took 20 years, God could have done it in 20 seconds. God wanted the children of Israel to get into the land, 11-day journey. They spent 40 years. How long have you been there? Verse 28, Jacob came to receive a blessing then. 27 and 28. In 27, the man asked Jacob his name. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, heel catcher, surplanter, con artist, describing the same nature and character. The man changed the name of Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Israel means God prevails, God fights, God rules, implying a new character even as when he changed the name of Abraham and others. It is a title of victory, of one who is governed by God by willful surrender to his power, God ruling over a person's life. It became the name of the nation of Israel, the people of God, to this very day. This is the first mention of Israel of 2,347 times it appears in both the Old and the New Testament. The man's identity is clear. It was Jesus, pre-incarnate, a Christophany, as we've seen throughout Genesis, Genesis 16, 7, one of them, when God appears. Whenever God appears in the Old Testament, the physical form is in the Son. John 1.18 tells us that very, very clear. Jesus came to bring Jacob to the end of himself and depend on God totally in order to make his strength complete, complete in God, by not struggling any longer, but submitting. 
Jesus said, if you lose your life, you will gain it or find it. Huh? <laughs> it's an upside down kingdom. Jesus gave the commentary about the rebelliousness of Jacob. Notice in verse 28 at the end there. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, Jacob had depended on his own wit and ability all his life, contending with his brother, his father, his father-in-law, and God, but now especially with God. Jacob finally prevailed, but not in his wrestling with God to get his way, but in prayer. God would deliver him from Esau's vengeance. Not the presence, but God. Many misinterpret the text thinking that Jacob prevails against God when they read this. You must read Hosea chapter 12, verse 3 through 6. He interprets it for us. Listen carefully. Hosea interprets it for us, telling us that Jacob wept and prevailed in his supplication to be helped from Esau. It says, he took his brother by the heel in the womb, and in his strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel, listen, and prevailed. How? He wept and sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spoke to us that in the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial name. Now the application again hits in verse 6 of Hosea 12. Listen. It's to trust God and not themselves or their wealth. He's speaking to Israel. He says, so, that's the application. He's given the interpretation, now he makes the application. So, you, by the help of your God, return. Observe mercy and justice and wait on your God continually. As you pray to God, he will help you. Don't trust your riches. Don't trust yourself. Hosea interprets this passage for us. And so we have the verification of God visiting Jacob in verses 29 through 32. Verse 29 and 30, Jacob came to a strong suspicion it was God. Jacob asked the question, tell me your name, I pray. Jesus did not answer Jacob verbally. And he said, why is it that you asked about my name? The implication being is he should have known him. He's met him before. Jesus showed Jacob who he was rather than telling him, and he blessed him there. There's only one that can bless, the one that promised him at Bethel, the one that spoke to him at Haran. And so in verse 30, Jacob understood clearly it was God. Jacob memorialized the location by what he had personally experienced, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, which means facing God. Jacob provides the commentary so that it is not misunderstood. For I have seen God face to face. Face to face implies favor, grace, and fellowship with God. Jacob would never be able to trust in his abilities of his own strength and flesh. Verse 31 says, just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. He was starting a new period of his life, not being self-dependent. He would not be able to run from Esau as he planned. God marked him for life by making him lame. 
This lame is better than the other lame. He was lame in the brain, now he's lame in the leg. Okay? He will certainly attempt to trust his own strength and abilities in the future, but to no avail, and we'll see this. From this point on, whatever he, whenever he walked in the flesh, he's called Jacob. When he walked, yielding, submitting to God, he's called Israel. Jacob experience was memorialized then by the people of God in verse 32. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. It was a personal lesson for Jacob that all of God's people had to learn. He was a focus, but all would come from Jacob. Lessons that all had to learn. It's an important lesson to all of God's people that being broken by God and coming to the end of ourselves will cause us to depend only on God and his strength. By the way, it's not an automatic thing. It must be yielded to each time for the flesh is ever present. Wordsworth, in one of his poems, tells about a bird that was carried from Norway by a storm. It fought hard against the gale in his efforts to get his way back to Norway, but all in vain. At last, he yielded to the wind, and instead of being carried to destruction, it was borne to the warm shores of England, to the green meadows and forests. That's exactly what will happen if you yield to God. He has not evil in mind, but an expected hope, he tells Jeremiah, for your future. Are you thoroughly convinced that you're not sufficient for your own life? Are you thoroughly convinced? Until you and I are thoroughly convinced, and I must be thoroughly convinced every time that test comes up, <laughs> I'll be like Jacob, pray to God and then go do my thing. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 15, 4 through 7. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Ask what you desire goes under the condition of the scriptures and the will of God. Doesn't mean you can just ask for a Rolls Royce million dollars the final comprehension of Jacob brought him to the end of himself has the light gone on yet are you tired of playing football without a helmet this is the return of Jacob to Cain it's characterized by the fearful apprehension of Jacob which only intensified his fear the fleshly manipulation of Jacob, which was not pleasing to God. And the final comprehension of Jacob, which brought him 
to the end of himself. What a great finish. Hmm. Are you still trusting in yourself? You can answer that to yourself. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of putting our complete trust in God and not our own abilities. Now, you can pick up a copy of today's challenging message, Are You Still Trusting Yourself? It's available on CD for just $4. Now, this will also include what was shared the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is, Are You Still Trusting Yourself? Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, it's helpful when you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. What's it going to take to learn to completely trust in God? Find out when you join us for the next edition of Simple Truths with Bible study teacher, Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com